Romans chapter 4. Abraham was, humanly speaking, the founder of our Jewish nation. What did he discover about being made right with God? If his good deeds had made him acceptable to God, he would have had something to boast about, but that was not God's way. For the scriptures tell us that Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his, say it with me, faith. Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his, okay, this time say it with me for real, even though I said it last time you didn't, faith, thank you. So Abraham believed God and God looked at him as though he had not only not sinned, but as though he had always obeyed perfectly. I'm going to relate to you as though you're flawless and perfect on the basis of the fact that you trust me. You get in completely and I relate to you as a good, perfect, loving father as though you were a perfect, obedient, happy, joyful, trusting, brave, courageous, flawless, faultless son just because you trust me. That is Abraham's insight. Or I should say that's Paul's insight into what Abraham really contributes to us. David, oh, okay, let me just... When people work, their wages are not a gift, but something they've earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. David also spoke of this when he described the happiness of those who are declared righteous without working for it. Oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sins are put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of sin. Now, is this blessing for the Jews only, or is it also for uncircumcised Gentiles? Well, we've been saying that Abraham was counted as righteous by God because of his faith. How did it happen? Was he counted as righteous only after he was circumcised? In other words, did he have to obey first, or was he counted as righteous first? Clearly, God accepted Abraham before he was circumcised. So faith comes first, obedience comes second. Circumcision was a sign that Abraham had already had faith in God and that God had already accepted him and declared him to be righteous even before he was circumcised. So Abraham is the spiritual father of those who have faith but have not been circumcised. So Abraham is the father of the Jews who are culturally Jewish but also have faith. And Abraham is the father of Gentiles who are not culturally Jewish but share that same faith. So Abraham is the father of all who are walking in faith. Let me skip down to the end because really what, we're, what I'm trying to work with here is this calling on our lives, the centrality, the primacy, the foundational nature of walking by faith. Verse 18. It's the critical verse of the day. So the promise is received. I'm sorry, this is, I'm reading 16. My bad. Skip down just like I said. I changed my mind. I have to read context. So the promise is received by faith. It's given as a free gift, and we are all certain to receive it, whether or not we live according to the law of Moses, if we have faith like Abraham's. For Abraham is the father of all who believe. That is what the scriptures mean when God told him, I have made you the father of many nations. This happened because Abraham believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. Ooh, that's clever and new living. New things, nothing. 
That's clever. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations, for God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger, and in this, he brought glory to God. That's interesting. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. And because of Abraham's faith, God counted him as righteous. And when God counted him as righteous, it wasn't just for Abraham's benefit. It was recorded for our benefit too, assuring us that God will also count us as righteous if we believe in him, the one who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was handed over to die because of our sins, and he was raised to life to make us right with God Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. When did God say that to him? How many kids did he have when God gave the promise? And how old was he? His wife's well past childbearing years, and God gives him an impossible promise. I'm going to read in Genesis 15 real quick. Sometime later, the Lord spoke to Abraham in a vision and said to him, Do not be afraid, Abram, for I will protect you and your reward will be great. Maybe in your translation, I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram replied, listen to this. We just heard Romans say he didn't waver with unbelief. So I'm just pointing that out. But Abram replied, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings? I love it. This is where you and Jesus take a walk and you talk about what's going on in your life. This is you and Jesus taking a walk by yourself. No one else is around and you're sharing with him what's on your heart and he's talking back to you and that's normal. That's what this is. Yeah, but what about this? You say this, but what about this? And you just have a good cry. And you tell him how you feel. And he already knows, but you needed to say it. Because you have questions. You don't understand. You don't understand where you are in the story. You don't understand what's happened and what's happening, and you don't understand how this is going to turn out and how that fits with what you thought in your relationship with him so far. So you take a walk and you have a talk. And you say things like this. What good are all your blessings when I don't even have a single son? Since you've given to me no children, it's so hilarious. I mean, it's not funny because it's painful, but I love that it's in here, and I love that Romans says he did not waver with any unbelief at all, (laughs) but his faith grew strengthened. So what is this conversation if he didn't waver with unbelief? If this conversation is not unbelief, what is it? It's doubt. And you say, unbelief and doubt, aren't those the same things? Of course not. Totally different things. Because the word for faith has to do with keeping covenant. 
And doubts have to do with levels of certainty. How do you stay covenantally faithful to someone when you don't have certainty about outcomes? This is how. Direct relationship with them. He's being incredibly honest and vulnerable and he's letting God have his heart. He's not taking this promise and then soldiering up and pretending something something that's not real. Okay, so your blessings are worthless. I don't even have a child. Since you've given me no children, Eliezer of Damascus, a servant in my household, will inherit all my wealth. And my name's going to be forgotten is the more important implication. My legacy will die with me, which is the more important implication. Like, no memory of even the li- that I even made a difference on the planet in my one life. I'm a speck of dust in the wind. Someone should write a song about that. You've given me no descendant of my own, so one of my servants will be my heir. And then the Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you will have a son of your own who will be your own heir. Then the Lord took Abraham outside. Come here, come here, come here. Let me show you something. And said to him, look up in the sky, count those stars if you can. Do you think he tried to count the stars or if he just threw up his hand and said, what? Because I think that would be an annoying instruction to try to follow. Be like, three hours later. <laughs> count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants. Look, he has none when, he, when God says, this is just a crazy person walking around in the dark. No one hears this voice. Who's going to believe this guy? This is just some dude walking around in the dark, hearing voices in his spirit. It doesn't matter, though, because he believed. And Abraham, Genesis 15, verse 6, And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. Then the Lord told him, I'm the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land as your possession. And then we, so now he talks about the land. But this is the word of the Lord. You might be asking the Lord how to make sense of your journey. You might be asking the Lord, how will we get to where I thought we were headed? I, I, I had a dream for my life. I believe it was born out of relationship with you. Are we there? Are we, it doesn't even look like we're headed there, Father. What, is, what do I do? What are, how do I get through? Perhaps you, like me, are walking with a broken heart, wondering how long will you live with a broken heart? It's one thing to be on the path. It's another thing to be on the path with a, with a bit of a pep in your step. You know? We're faithful. We're going to stay on, the, on this road with Jesus, but sometimes it's harder than others. And you might be asking, Lord, how long? How long? Like, how long is it going to hurt like this? Like, are we going backwards or are we going forwards? Have I made some critical error here, God? And I think it's in that time that you hear the voice of the Father saying, go deeper with me. Instead of worrying more about outward results and what your eyes see, instead of living more by sight, it's time for you to fulfill the call that's been on your life from the time you were born. It's time for you to to follow that ache that you've always had from from when you were a child 
And it's an ache for a depth of life. It's an ache for the kind of fruitfulness and the kind of meaning that comes in union with me. So the answer to the, to the world around you not lining up with what appears to be the promise, the answer is not a technique. The answer is not a skill set you, you have not yet mustered. The answer is not an organizational skill set. The answer is not an out, another person behaving differently. The answer is you going deeper with the Lord. The, the, you going deeper with me is what, I, is what I sense the Lord saying. The answer is you going deeper with me. The answer is you finding encounter with me in, in and of yourself with no one else around and then express those encounters to everyone who's around. The answer is walking more radically by faith. The quickest way through the hurt and the heartbreak and the, and the non-understanding is to take these things to the Lord in private with no one else around Cry them out, talk them out, and have, have, have these encounters. Have your own standing under the stars looking at the sky asking, what is this promise worth? Have these conversations. Hear his promise. Hear him say what his promise to you is. His promise to Abraham was a lot of kids. What is his promise to you? And don't just give me, I'm not asking for an actual answer right now because some of you are just going to want to then give me forgiveness of sins in heaven when we die. Yes, I know, I know. And that's amazing. That's never to be sniffed at or, or, or viewed as some sort of, that's, that's amazing. But he has a unique destiny for you in addition to forgiveness of sins now in heaven when you die. A unique pro- set of promises and you're called to walk by faith in his unique set of promises. There's a destiny for you. There's a, there's a, there's a thing he has, he has placed within your soul. But your soul's issuing a call. God imprinted something in you when he knit you together in, in your mother's womb. He imprinted something in you. And your soul will speak to you. It will call you, if you listen to it, it will call you to the life you were created to live. I'm not talking about doing what you want. I'm not talking about selfish stuff or sinful stuff or you know, living for self. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about your God-created self. There is issuing a call. Are you living in the meaning and the purpose of your life? And we have to walk through these hard seasons where our faith is tested, where it looks like it's not happening. And the question always is not will it start working soon? But will your faith hold? The question is, will you go deep enough with God that you live fulfilled before the results come? That you live enjoying him and walking out the meaning of your life in advance of the consequences of that obedience manifesting? And for Abraham, he dies without receiving the fullness of what was promised. But God was faithful and many generations later it happened. And whether... Whether you see it with your eyes or whether you see it with the eyes of your heart make all the difference in the world. Because you can live by faith in the invisible God of the impossible promise as long as you see it with the eyes of your heart. And that has to do with relationship. It does not have to do with levels of certainty. It has to do with how vulnerable are you with Jesus, with the Father, with Holy Spirit. And he, through encounter, will begin to fashion and shape and mold this thing that you think of as your mindset, if we let him. 
But I really think it's imperative in this hour and in this season, especially of Little Gateway, Little Gateway's heart is questioning like, what's wrong with us? And that is not the right question. We are owning other people's choices when we ask those questions. We are owning other people's choices when we ask those questions. We need to be asking questions like, how does this work with you and me, God? For a lot of us, we thought people would be forever, and it turns out people, we have them for a season. But how we carry them in our heart and how we carry the story we're telling ourselves about our lives is going to determine whether or not we're able to receive those people as a blessing even though they're no longer in our lives. God, thank you that I was able to walk with these people for this season. I am richer for having walked with them. Now that is a conclusion. That is a, that is a, that is a place you can get to that's called health, but you might not be there right now. But it's through these private encounters with God that when no one's watching that we gain the kind of perspective that's required both to stay faithful because faithfulness is not meant to be a grit your teeth and strive by muscle against the grain and force yourself when you have no real hope in this thing just to keep going. No, the Lord is comforting and kind. The Lord is encouraging and calm. The Lord will not judge our weakness, but will, will sympathetically deal with it. Now, there might be a time where the Lord kicks us in the pants and says, now at this point, you're literally walking in unbelief, not just doubt. That, that might happen. That might happen if we grumble and whine and talk about other people or about the, you know, our life in such a way that's not actually connecting our heart to him and the renewal of our soul. It's, it's as we let him shepherd us that he renews and restores our soul. It's a crazy person out in the dark in the cold because God said, hold up, I have something else to say, I'm not done. Who comes aside and says, look, I don't know what he's about to say, but I just believe that human opinions are not what I need. The meaning and value of your life is only to be found out of encounters with God. Belief systems matter, but belief systems are not where life happens. The meaning and, the meaning and purpose of your life, the direction for your life, the strength of your life is discovered and strengthened in encounters with God. And all your social capital, all your social influence, all your network of social stuff you will only be the kind of social ingredient you're called to be if it's coming out of private encounters. The, the capacity to be a thermostat rather than a thermometer is formed in the encounter. The capacity to make a contribution is exclusively about coming into an encounter with God in the secret place and saying yes. And saying, I believe you, God. Even though what you're saying is illogical, even though what you're saying is impossible, even though I don't even feel like I know what I'm doing here, even though I don't understand how this story works, even though I'm in the equivalent of being 100 years old and not having a single kid and you're telling me that I'm going to impact the nations, you're telling me that my life will be used to bring this about, you're telling me that, that my life will lead others to fall more in love with Jesus until the day I expire? I don't know what I'm doing, God. And I really believe this, Gateway. 
He has called you, he has called us into a season of not, not despair. He's not called us into a season even of lament. He's called us into a season of increased depth with him. I don't know if you can hear it in the spirit, but if we were like groundhogs, the impulse would be to dig a lot of holes and burrow down deep. If we were beavers, the impulse would be to cut down a lot of trees and start building this this nest. If we were prairie dogs, the impulse would be dig up some dirt, make a bunch of new tunnels. And if we owned a diamond mine, this would be the season where we said, let's actually buy a bigger drill. I'm just feeling it so clearly. We are called not to despair. We're not called to, to, to troubleshoot. We're not called to judge either ourselves or anyone else who's left. This is a season where we are called into greater intimacy, greater depth in private. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what your story is. I don't know what your issue is. I don't know where you're at, where you are at on life's journey, but I know that, that the way through well in this season is for you to burrow down deeper into Christ, burrow down deeper into the encounters with God in secret when no one's watching and find him and not be okay until you encounter him and make encountering him the top priority on your list of things to do today. And if you hear his voice saying, come aside, I have something else to say, we're not done talking yet. If you meet him in the tent and you go, oh, I heard the Lord, how great, isn't that nice? And then you hear something else. I am not finished yet. If you stay, I have a blessing for you. Go outside. What? Instantaneously stop in your tracks and go outside. Don't hesitate. Don't delay. I don't care if you're barefoot and it's snow on the ground. Go outside. If his voice says, I got a blessing for you, go outside. I want to say something to you. So strange that the Lord would say, hey, I'm not, I'm not finished talking. Go out. Well, we're talking here. Reminds me of Jeremiah 18. Go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my word. We're talking now. One time the Lord said that to me. I was drinking my coffee back in Kentucky in the morning. I'm sitting in my little folding uh, camping chair drinking coffee. I think I was eating a bowl of cereal. It was, it was my morning routine. Sitting in my, out, you know, on my back porch area. On Shun? No, was it Greenwood Street or Shun Pike? That was still on Shun, our very first, our very first apartment house, whatever you call it. It was, it was a house so small that you really needed to call it an apartment. Do you remember that house? The one on Sean Pike? Man, what did we pay a month? 460 bucks? And, the, and we planted flowers in our new flower bed, just brand new, married, so excited to spruce this joint up, and then they stole our flowers. They, people did. They stole our flowers all out of our flower bed. Makes it really, you, you want to turn into Jonah when people act like that. Kill him, God. I'm out. That's pretty hilarious, Bunny. That's great. And what is going on with allergies? Anyway, so my allergies have been so bad. Okay. So we're in Shun Pike, and I, I love that little house. I just loved it so much. You know, I have all those wonderful associations of being brand new married, and I'm sitting in my, doing my morning routine, and I'm drinking coffee. I think I'm eating cereal, and the Lord says, go down to the potter's house. And I'm like, what? He said, go down to the potter's house. You mean that? pottery shop on Main Street in Wilmore? No explanation. So I got in my car and drove to the potter's house. It wasn't even open. Knocking on the door. Some dude shows up like, like totally unkempt. I woke him up, knocking on his door. 
He comes down in like his PJs and he's unshaven and half groggy. And he says, what can I, what can I do for you? He starts eating cereal, he's dribbling down his chin. And I'm like, what am I doing here? I said, I don't, he said, what can I do for you? I said, I don't have a clue. God told me to come to the potter's house. And he goes, what? I said, yeah, what's going on? And we start talking. Turns out that he used to go to the church I was worship leader at. And he went through all these major life crises. Every time he'd try to find God and get an answer, something would go wrong and he'd throw, it, he'd throw in the towel and say, I quit, Jesus. I quit, I'm done. He ended up leaving his wife and kids. And then I popped in just as a, another voice saying, God's not done with you. God hasn't forgotten you. You turned your back on him, but he hasn't turned his back on you. I was just another reminder on the journey. But sometimes when we hear the voice say, go, we're just a little slow to obey that, especially if it's inconvenient. But the quickest way through, the quickest way through in this season, out of the questioning and out of the grief of the pain, the quickest way through is not just keep going. The quickest way through is going after a deeper place of encounter of your heart to his heart. Because this, like I said, I, just, this, I thought this was really interesting. I was praying for Tim when I said pray for each other. I prayed for Tim and he's, I said, well, how can I pray for you? And he's like, I don't know, money, I guess. I didn't pray about that. I said, all the dreams, all the dreams you have for your life, Tim, they start now. They're, they're, they're here now. They're not in a different season. They're not after you get an education. They're not in a different location. They're not in a different time of your life. They're now. It's, they're, the dreams you have for your life, it's a lifestyle that's the dream for your life. It's not a different arrangement. It's not when you finally get this or that figured out or fixed or restored or repaired. No. The dream for your life, the deep dream for your life, it's a lifestyle. It's you living in a certain kind of lifestyle. And there's nothing holding you back from living that lifestyle right now. Everything in your mind that you think is holding you back is an illusion. I feel like I hear the Lord saying, this is not a detour. This testing of the faith, this in-between season where we must walk by faith. We, we, ha- we absolutely have to walk by faith because if we don't walk by faith, we're going to probably quit on Jesus or turn off parts of our heart and, and then get religion because religion is what you do when the heart's not in it. It's where you show up, but your heart doesn't show up. So we will either walk by faith or something goes deeply wrong inside. But we keep singing and showing up. And then we fast and pray out of fear instead of faith. And we read more Bible to try to manipulate situations and gain worldly wisdom from the Bible, which is meant to actually lead us to do stupid things that don't make any sense to people, that don't work. This is why I love Jesus. He tells parables where he basically questions our answers when we thought his job was to answer our questions. He unteaches us things we thought were true and we thought he existed to teach us what was true. But he dislodges us from human certainty to, to, to have us leaning off of human certainty and onto relationship with the invisible God. Onto dependence on now God has to move. On Friday, we heard in chapel about Gideon. Oh man, I'm way over time. On Friday, we heard in chapel about Gideon and how God said, okay, you got too many soldiers. The enemy has 100,000. You have 30,000, so that's way too many for me to let you beat them because if you beat them, you're going to be like, we are awesome. So here's what you do. Tell everyone who's scared to leave. 
Are you scared? Go ahead and go home. We don't need you. And, uh, you know, and 20, what was it? No, they started 32,000. So someone help me out with the math. 20,000, go home. I think 22,000 leave at that point. They're like, praise the Lord for that. Why are you home? Uh, we got told we could. So I ain't going to die. Mm-hmm. What about the rest of the soldiers? I don't know, but I think they're going to die. And then God says, you got 10,000 10, against 100,000? The odds are still too good for, in your favor here. I need to make it impossible or I'm not happy. Because you might be tempted to take credit. And we've got to make it so stupid that no one will give you credit. Least of all you. So here's what you do. Take them down to the river. And everyone who puts their butt in the air, fire them. You can't be putting your butt in the air when the enemy's around. So that's what he does. Everyone who puts their face in the water and their rear in the air, he's like, come on, get out. Just go, just get, just get. Why am I fired? You drank wrong, now get out of here. And everyone who puts their hand down and keeps looking around, you know, that's the guy you want. You want that guy. So you got 300 people versus like 100,000 people. And he's like, now this is just stupid enough that I can use it, says God. Now I got another strategy. Go ahead and put your swords away. You don't need that. What? Here's what you do. <laughs> take, a bu- take a bunch of... <laughs> take some lamps. Put them under a clay pot. Bring, bring some trumpet players. I want you to smash these when I say to, and then have the trumpet players be like... And we're like, What? But we're going to do it from the mountain, right? We're not going to go down into where they are when we do this, right? Now, nah, go down in where they are. <laughs> all right, ready? One, two, three, go. Smash the pot. All of a sudden, fire appears right everywhere. They blow the, the horns. The enemies freak out. They're terrified, and they kill each other because of the confusion factor. And Gideon still manages to like, make a statue to himself or some sort of monument to himself, to his awesomeness. Oh, my goodness. When God intentionally set the whole thing up so that he couldn't brag about it, he still found a way. Help, Jesus, help. Sometimes God intentionally lets the situation get so impossible and ridiculous to where it is evident, it is just evident that God, not human intelligence, not human giftedness, not we're good people, there could be no praise God for us anymore because God intentionally sets it up where you have to walk by faith, not by sight. You have to trust in the Lord, not in human wisdom, not in human armies. Isn't that like the center verse of the whole Bible? Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. It's such a central conviction. In this season, the way through is to go radically deeper into me. It isn't a detour. It's what you've always felt called to. Let the pain become your ally. Let the pain be like a ferryman on the river of darkness who brings you across to the other side. For someone with your calling, everything you have to give away is birthed in encounter. Encounters and ideas and dreams and sounds, these are your basic elements of creation and you have to breathe, dig, drink and light fires to be who I've made you to be. And your goal can never be, let's get other people in revival. Your goal, listen to me, your goal can never be rescue someone else, transform someone else, change someone else, even help someone else. We want to do all those things. 
But when you make that your goal, then you become victimized by other people's choices. You now, you now begin to evaluate your faith faithfulness by their faithfulness. And you become crippled and snared. Your goal can never be get other people into revival. It, your goal has to be, I am going to live in revival. If that is your goal, then your goal matches the Lord's. Nothing more. Now the promise is the more. The promise of the children, the promise of the impact, the promise of the legacy, the promise of how this, this, this relationship with God is going to impact the nations, that's on him. He works to that effect. Your responsibility is you in revival, nothing more. Outcomes with others, that's all his business. That's all way across that mystery line on him. But you're not called to be a reed swayed by the wind. You're called to be a north star, fixed and steady. You help travelers find the way, and not everyone is going where you're going. Go ahead and stand. Let's have uh, the prayer team come up. I feel called to join the prayer team today. So, Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you for this faith that Abraham walked in, and we thank you, God, that what faith looks like is not um, a heart that doesn't have questions. It's not a heart that doesn't have griefs or uh, you know, even doubts. Thank you, God, that doubt is included in what faith is as long as we steward those doubts into encounter with you. As long as we have those conversations with you, not just about you. As long as we take our heart to you, not just let what went wrong fashion and mold us. Because it will if we don't let you fashion and mold us instead. So Holy Spirit, I speak an extra big portion of grace right now on the people under the hearing of my voice right now in Jesus' name. I say Holy Spirit increase. We thank you, God. God, I pray for Pete right now. I pray that you would comfort Pete as he's grieving his mom's transition from this life into the next. Holy Spirit, I pray for Bob Cop recovering with his broken ribs. God, other things that I might be forgetting, God, um, we bless. We bless everyone associated and affiliated with this house right now. I feel, I feel called right now to bless uh, Living Hope Fellowship in Jesus' name. Their destiny is in, in, in many ways connected to ours. And I bless Greenwood Mennonite Church. And I bless, and I wish they'd come up with a name so I don't have to call them the worship team that left. Uh, I bless those guys and their wives and kids. And right now we say more for them, God. We're sad and we miss them. But God, we bless them and we ask them, we ask you to bless them so that they'll thrive and go deep with you and bear much, 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 much fruit. God's people said.